mindfulness mode. I squash them down very quickly because they're not real. They're just like uh, bubbles. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with a musician, and he uh, started back in 1972 playing the dulcimer, and he's been a folk artist and a very successful folk artist, I will add, and uh, he's had so many interesting and successful experiences as a folk artist, and he has won a lot of awards, and, and then uh, something happened in his life not too long ago that we're going to be talking about and talking about how mindfulness has played a role with that. So, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with Kevin Roth. Kevin, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm trying to always be in mindfulness mode. That's awesome. Well, what does mindfulness mean to you, Kevin? Well, to me, that means being aware of what your mind is either telling you or not telling you, but you want to try and be in control of your mind, or as they call it, the monkey mind, rather than have the monkey mind controlling you. Right. Well, you started playing this instrument, the dulcimer, way back when you were 13 years old, and, and little did you know at that time that you were going to really move into the space of being quite well known and, and famous. What was that like for you at such a young age? Well, finding the dulcimer was interesting because I saw it at a, uh, a meditation gathering, which I just happened to go to, not because I was interested in meditation, but because a friend of mine um, was going and knew of a singer there who he thought I'd like. Mm -hmm. So I was just immediately attracted to the dulcimer, and I just knew instantly that that was going to be my magic carpet ride through life. Wow, and it was. Like you've had so many really interesting experiences. You got to know Peter of the Peter, Paul, and Mary fame. Is that right? Yeah, I know all of them. You know all of them. Well, except oh, Mary passed away several years ago, but she was a dear friend of mine. Yeah, through doing folk festivals and being in the business, you get to know your heroes, you know, Pete Seeger, Judy Collins, and so forth and so on. Sure. And are you still recording music? Funny you should ask, because my new album called Dulcimer Dreamland, which is instrumental lullabies and other dulcimer ditties, is coming out tomorrow on 7-7. Wow. Yeah, and it's a, it's a beautiful solo dulcimer instrumental album that came to me about three months ago, sort of the idea of it. And uh, it's, it, every, every one of the songs on there is just just beautiful. And you wrote those songs? No, I wrote, well, I wrote three of them. Uh, but the majority of them are like Danny Boy and uh, some English, uh, a lot of whaling songs, Blow the Man Down and um, Skyboat Song and All Things Are Quite Silent, Scarborough Fairs on there. So a lot of them are familiar and medleys, a lot of them with Hush Little Baby and um, Are You Sleeping? And, you know, there's about 15 tracks. Do you find there's an element of mindfulness to that music that you perform and, and of course, compose as well when you compose music? Well, I did. I, I wasn't aware of it until when I became a life coach and a teacher. Someone pointed it out to me because through the experience that I went through, which was basically um, surviving a death sentence back in 2016, um, this guy, a friend of mine, suggested I become a life coach, which I didn't know what it was. 
But when I looked into it, I said, well, that would take a lot of work and I'd have to move the dulcimer to the side. And he said, oh, no, not at all. The way you play the dulcimer is like meditation. It's like dulcimer meditation, which is something I actually now teach to people. Whether you play the dulcimer or you don't play the dulcimer, I teach it. It's very, very simple to play. I, I sell the dulcimers and I sell the course on how to do it. So my whole life I've used the dulcimer as a meditative instrument uh, without realizing it until it was pointed out to me. Right. And so dulci meditation, was that more or less coined by you then? No, it was coined by my friend. I see. But, but you must be the main person that uses that term, are you? Well, I am now, yeah, because a bell went off and I went, oh, I could teach all the dulcimer players and clients of mine who want to be musicians but aren't how to play this simple folk instrument in a very meditative way so that they get clarity and relieve stress. And it works almost instantly within three to five minutes. Uh, you know, blood pressures go down and all kinds of things. It's, wow. it's really a focusing tool. Cool. Well, let's dig in and talk about what happened in 2016. Tell us that pivotal moment when you, when you received this news. Well, I was on a, on a routine dermatology appointment, and uh, the dermatologist didn't like a dark freckle on my nose, which I didn't really think anything of. Um, and after having it biopsied and uh, one or two other tests along the way, I was called one morning and told that I had stage three melanoma, which is very serious because there's only four stages and there is no cure uh, for the type of melanoma I had. So he said, you know, we basically removed it, but there's a 70% chance it'll return within a year. And then you've got about two years, three years to live. Wow. Now I didn't believe that which I, and I talk about my precognitive, somewhat psychic experiences throughout my life in my book, Between the Notes, as well as the ordeal I went through, uh, finding the right oncologist and finding ways to heal myself, because uh, there was no medication to take. So there was really a process of getting rid of stress. Uh, for me, dulcimer meditation, a change of diet, and a change of mindset. So really what happened in 2016, all my life, I had thought that fame and fortune would bring me happiness, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had to ask myself, well, what really matters? So as I say in the book, there are three questions. What matters? Why does it matter to you? And what are you going to do about it? And I lay out the formula that I used in life with the way I process things, the way I think about things uh to teach and, and i teach that along with the spirituality because that's a big part of it um as anyone who does any kind of meditation would know mm -hmm. uh, to change my life and i decided i was going to rewrite my life and move from the midwest at that point in time to san diego california and live like a bohemian artist and that's what i did and i'm still here today Wow. So let me get this straight. You, you had the diagnosis, and then was that when you realized, hey, I'm not truly happy in life. I'm not truly as happy as I want to be. Is that, did that hit home at that time? Oh, I wish it was that easy. No, I was miserable most of my life. Oh, you were. Yeah, Even really though you had this successful career and you played music so much and 
you were just really not truly happy. Doesn't mean a damn thing. Fame and money doesn't mean anything. I mean, it makes you, you can buy things, mm-hmm. but you know, no matter. Um, you know, I always wanted a record deal, and I got that. Then I wanted a a TV show, and I, I sang the theme to a hit TV show on PBS, Shining Time Station. Then I wanted a book deal, and I got signed by Random House. Then I wanted a million dollars, and I got that. And no matter what I got, it was never enough. Mm. Standing ovations, never enough. Over a million dollars at 35, never enough. Because what I was searching for was a sense of, uh, really, a sense of loving myself, which is a spiritual concept, believe it or not, to trust and to know that I'm being guided. And that uh, everything is the way it should be. So when you get a death sentence, uh, you really have to look at your life and you have to say, you know, well, if I only have a couple of years to live, what am I going to do? I'm fortunate in the way that a lot of people sometimes end up at the end of their life saying, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. And what was remarkable about my becoming a life coach is that I find it infinitely more enjoyable helping to change people's lives and still using the dulcimer. I was talking to a client today and she said, you know, you don't go out on tour anymore. And I said, no, I said, I have no reason to. I'm very happy living in San Diego and doing things by Zoom and on an occasional basis. I give a concert, but the idea of my life being solely about Kevin Roth, the entertainer, he's gone. I just don't, you know, I mean, he's gone with a thank you. Been great to know you. And the guy you're looking at today is a very, very different person, wow. thankfully. This is really so fascinating. So this diagnosis came, you, you changed so many things. One of them was food. Tell us about the changes you made to your diet. <laughs> My ongoing thing. I'm a foodie. Okay. I'm really a food addict, to be honest with you. And the two leading causes of cancer besides smoking are stress and inflammation. Yes. So I had a lot of stress because of my career, and I was about 35 pounds, 40 pounds overweight. So I wasn't drastically overweight, but I went to more of an organic, natural thing. I cut out all sugars. I rarely have sugar now. I mean, if it's in a piece of cake, I'll have it. You know, I don't worry about it, but I don't have it in the house. And um, today I currently uh, do intermittent fasting Mm -hmm. and I cook everything and everything is lean meats, um, nothing processed usually, but I still enjoy going out for a good slice of baked bread too. You know, I don't limit myself because I'm cancer free. I don't suspect that cancer will ever come back because it's been about eight, nine years, but I feel better eating cleanly. I feel better not having stress in my life. Yeah. I feel better living very, very simply with my dog. I have quite an unusual life. Wow. That's great. Is this the first dog you ever had or did you have dogs all along? Oh, I've had many dogs, but this dog, this dog feels like my soulmate. Oh, really? In the book, I write about how um, I sort of pre-saw him before I met him. I had this vision dog running towards me and then on christmas eve a few weeks later i was just randomly walking through a puppy store 
And I saw this little guy. He's always up here with me. He was a little, he's a miniature dachshund. His name is Bosco. Hi, Bosco. And him, yeah. And I write about him in the book. Yeah. And he's a, he's sort of a love bug, right? Give me a kiss on the screen. He's, no, wow. He, yeah. But that's what he, he's, he's very cute. He is. And uh, he's become my uh, kind of soulmate. And what has he taught you about mindfulness? Well, you know, animals live in the moment. Exactly. He's taught me, and I write about this in the book, he's taught me more about love than any human being I've ever known. Because it's unconditional. Yeah. And so when you wrote that book, did you find it cathartic to write the book? And was it a healing process for you? It was um, very much so because I really talked about several things in the book. One was how I was psychic as a child and how I saw my career. I saw really three stages of my life, very, very young. I was aware of, most people call it God, uh, uh, a higher power mm -hmm. that made me feel like this world was not real. I was very, very clear on that, very young. It, and it turned out to be true. Quantum physics will tell you that this is kind of a, <laughs> a twilight zone experience. Um, so the first phase was really that I would have probably a difficult childhood, but, you know, um, get along. And then the second phase was I would still have a difficult life, but my career would be very successful. And it, and it was, um, also my mom died. My father remarried a woman who, uh, no one really got along with. And, uh, there was a lot of ups and downs, you know? And then the third phase was that I would end up being some sort of an esoteric teacher, but I didn't know what that was. And that's the phase I'm in now, the third phase. So the book talks about that and also the experience of what I went through with the cancer. And um, finally, uh, it gives tools and, and things that, that I did to help myself um, daily feel in balance and whole and so forth and so on. Can you share a couple of those tools with us now? Yeah, well, one of them is dulcimer meditation in the morning, with sitting down and playing the dulcimer and uh, learning to ask myself uh, what's really going on and what do I need to know? So it's opening, opening myself up uh, in a surrendered kind of a spiritual state. I also hike a little bit, I walk. And make sure that I go to the ocean, uh, the dog beach with my dog. Mm -hmm. um, those are some of the things I do. Um, I don't hang around negative people. I've learned to become my own best friend. I'm, I'm good just sitting and listening to music or sitting and listening to nothing. So those are some of the tools. But the book has essentially 11 questions for people to ask themselves. And there's also a course that I have that I forgot about, but um, it, it's online on something called Teachable. Okay. It's um, how to create a life you love. And then, uh, then at my website, kevinroth.org, people can contact me directly if they want to work with me as a life coach. Very cool. Yeah. Well, as a life coach, can you share with us a story of someone you've worked with and you've helped to transform their life? Well... All of them. <laughs> I'm wow. trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I don't, 
I have a pretty much 100, mostly 100%. I have a, well, actually, I have a 100% batting rate of being working it if, if the client will do what I ask them to do. Some don't. Uh, but one of the clients that come to mind is a woman who uh, lost her husband. Um, and she he was in the hospital. And she was with him every day. And she just went home to take a shower. And he begged her not to go. And she, you know, she said, I have to go. I've got to change my clothes. And, and while she was gone, he died. And she carried that guilt around for 14 or 15 years. Wow. And so when I got finished working with her, um, she had let all that go and she was free. That's incredible. Wow. And you've used this technique on yourself as well. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think that's what makes me a good life coach because I teach from experience. Mm -hmm. and this isn't a course I took. This isn't uh, something, you know. I live this and I continue to live this. I teach what I did to get through financial issues, stress, anger, loneliness, and what I did to turn my life around because the way I was doing it and the way many people are, are doing that kind of thing in life, it kills you. Yeah. Literally. So Kevin, in your experience, what are some common misconceptions or barriers that prevent people from achieving the kind of happiness and fulfillment that you found? Well, when you believe your negative thinking, you suffer. That's it in a nutshell. When, when you say I'm not good enough or, oh, things should be this way or things should be that way. It's, it's your mind telling you these things, but you need to ask yourself, is it true? You know, if something comes up and says, oh, I'll never get out of debt. I'll never get out of debt. Well, is that true? Well, yes, yes. I'm, I'm $20,000 in debt. Uh, you know, I met a guy recently, I'll tell you this. He was $40,000 in debt. He said, I, I just, there's no way I'm going to get out of debt. I said, I will tell you how to get out of debt within three days when you get back from San Diego, you go home. I'm going to tell you how to cut your debt in half. Do you want, you want me to tell you how to do that? And he said, in half? I said, yeah. And keep your credit. I told him, you go home. You find a lawyer that handles credit. They negotiate with the companies, the banks, for half. You pay it. You make sure in the deal that when you pay it, they agree to not putting this on your record. Mm -hmm. Walk away. Now, your credit score is going to drop for a bit, but it'll come back up. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I did. So... When people say, I'll never get out of debt, well, is that true? Well, yeah, 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 you know. Well, is that absolutely true? Well, yeah, you know, I have a big mortgage, I have a car payments. So do you need to live in that big of a place? Do you need to drive a car payment that's $500? I mean, come on, for real? How about if you live for $2,000 a month like I do on expenses and could do whatever you wanted? That's a better life, isn't it? much better life. way I better teach, i teach people how to do it because i did it wow so but they have to be willing to let go of things they have yes. to be to say that driving a 500 dollars a month car payment is not that important no they have to be willing to say 
you know, my rent is $3,000 a month and it's so expensive. So live in a studio for a quarter of the price. I can tell you where to do that too. In California. Oh, I have so much stuff. Get rid of it. Oh, I can't get rid of it. Why? What are you holding on to? Well, and it's, it's stupid. It's just, I, and I know that people have personal attachment to these things. But I can tell you how to put money in your pocket and in the bank and keep it. If you're willing to let go of stuff that you think is important. And the reason people gather things is for the whole of the soul. Right. They're, they're lonely. They're, they're anxious. They don't want to go to work Monday morning. It's a terrible way to live. I, I had a friend just today go uh, ballistic on me on the phone about the news. And I told her, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And she says, well, don't you watch the news and all the, these, the shootings and, and what Trump is doing? And blah, blah, blah. I said, no. And she says, you know, you need to be more informed. I said, listening to you, it sounds like I really don't. Doesn't sound like a good idea, does it? No, I don't want to be informed. I, I know what's going on in the world. You know, I, I catch the news once in a while. But no, I'm not get, getting caught up in it. So, Why? Well, Why, yeah. Why is, is true. Uh, what? What role does gratitude play in your life, Kevin? It plays a lot for me because I have a lot to be grateful for. You know, I, I live a very pleasant life at the moment. I'm able to help people. I'm not sick. I have a dog I love. Um, I, you know, I could always be more grateful, but I don't really have any complaints. I just don't. <laughs> I used to, you know, if the if I was heavily invested in the stock market and the real estate market, and when it would go up, oh my god, I was thrilled. And when it went down, I I went nuts. I'd call my broker and I'd say, my God, what's happening? Oh, don't worry, it's only up and down and up and down. It was like a yo-yo. Yeah. Until I lost most of my money and I said, I'm never investing in those things again. I'm going to invest in myself in a business. And now I just buy CDs, but I'm older, you know, so if I was younger, it would be a different story, but yeah. Now, so now that you've gone through all of this, how do you now define success? Doing what you love and love what you're doing and liking yourself. You have to like yourself. See, the mind, here's the interesting thing about the mind. You don't have one. If you take your brain and you open up a brain with the greatest brain surgeons in the world, they can't physically hold anything called a mind. There's nothing physical called a mind. So what is it? It's consciousness. Well, what's consciousness? It's God or Jesus or higher, but whatever you want to call it. And that has no form. It has no identity. It just is, and it's the only thing that is. So when someone says to me, well, you know, I beat myself up, my ego, you know, my ego just tells me, oh God, you know, you're so fat, you're so broke. You're... I say, well, bring your ego to our meeting. Let's have a three-way with your ego. You can't find an ego, you know? I, I had a client who uh, was a devout Christian, mm -hmm. really, really heavily into Jesus. And one of the first things she told me is that she, being brought up, never thought that she was good enough. So I said, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is within you? 
And she said, oh, absolutely. I said, on a scale of one to 10, is that a 10 or is it a 50 or is it a three? And she said, it's a thousand. I said, okay, so then let's look at that. If you really believe Jesus Christ is inside you, how imperfect could you possibly be? Unless you think Jesus is imperfect. And her jaw dropped. It was like, oh, my priest never told me. Well, yeah. So most people are, a lot of people, not most, but a lot of people are brought up to believe that they're not good enough because we come from parents that have their stuff. Mm -hmm. And their parents have their stuff. So, uh, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. They totally do. Kevin, I always ask a question about bullying on my show, and I want to know if you have a story about this topic where mindfulness would have made a difference. I don't have a story about mindfulness and bullying, but one of my dear friends, Peter Yarrow, created a whole program about bullying for the schools around the country, and it's also around the world. It's called, it used to be called Operation Respect. There's a beautiful song that Peter, Paul, and Mary recorded called Don't Laugh at Me. Yes, I remember it. All bullying, yeah. I was, don't ever remember being bullied in school. So I don't have any bullying stories, but I, I do know that Peter was, and is still very um, active with that. Uh, I performed uh, a concert with him for uh, that that idea of the bullying, um, I, I think it's called, they changed the name of it, but if you look it up, Peter Yarrow, Operation Respect, I, I think you'll find it. Yeah, I remember the song, Don't Laugh at Me. Yeah, that was a very powerful song yeah. that they recorded. Yeah. Well, very interesting how you've turned your life around. It's, it's just amazing. And it sounds like you just have so much contentment, so much peace in your life. How do how do you uh, enjoy nature? You talked about going out to the to the ocean. I think you said. Are there any other aspects of nature that you're able to enjoy on a regular basis? Well, here in San Diego, I live about six miles from no, not even six six minute drive to the ocean, right. and I live uh, about forty five minutes from the mountain. So I can go either place. Uh, and in Southern California, I used to live on the East Coast, so it's very different because the weather's beautiful all the time and you can sit outside at outdoor cafes. I can sit out there with Bosco and have a cup of coffee and just enjoy the weather. Um, so all my friends now are suffering on the East Coast because of this wild weather that they have. And I remember that. I used to live in Florida and there were um, hurricanes all the time. Right. <laughs> I mean, late summer, early fall. I'm just glad to be here. Well, San Diego is beautiful. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a beautiful place for sure. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Kevin. And so just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Robert Wolf, uh, W-O-L-F-E. He became a, a teacher of mine, a kind of a spiritual teacher who wrote several books on non-duality. Very and good. And dedicated to him. Ah, awesome. Uh, let's talk about your emotions. Uh, 
how have your emotions changed or how you deal with your emotions? How has that changed as a result of mindfulness in your life? Well, all the normal stuff like anger, frustration and all that stuff come up all the time, like everybody. But I, I squash them down very quickly because they're not real. They're just like uh, bubbles. So I don't need to get caught up in them. You know, like I said, when I believe or when anyone believes their thoughts, you know, you suffer. Even if you're in line at a coffee place, you know, that person jumped in front of me. Well, you're suffering. What's the difference? How do you know they jumped in front of you? Maybe they're just waiting for a cup of coffee, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, mindfulness is knowing that these thoughts come and go. And you don't have to uh, marry them because they're not here in five seconds later. They're gone. But we, we create stories for ourselves, you know. I had a client who hated her boss, hated her. And this was during COVID. And she was on the computer with her every Monday morning for 15 minutes. And I said, well, how much time during the weekday do you spend talking to this awful woman? She said, no, thank God, it's only Mondays for like 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. I said, okay, so you got 30 minutes out of a 40, 50 hour work week that you actually have to deal with her. And all the other time you're not seeing her, you're not talking to her, but you're still carrying her around. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's crazy what we do, isn't it? With Without even meaning to, we just do some of these things. I want to ask you about breathing. Do you have any comments on breathing? Any maybe tips or suggestions on breathing as it relates to mindfulness? No, just keep breathing. <laughs> <laughs> just keep doing it. And yeah, I don't do any breath. I don't do any breath work because I don't per personally need it. Right. Yeah. And in your book, we've been talking about very uh, interesting subtitle as well. I, I don't think I mentioned it, but the book is called Between the Notes. And the subtitle is Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to a, is it Dance to a Beat? Yep. Yeah. And Dance to a Beat That Makes Your Heart Sing. That's what I thought. Yeah, that... There's a typo in the part that I got here. Uh, dance to a Beat That Makes Your Heart Sing. Yeah. That's a great subtitle as well. So are there any other books that you would recommend that are somehow related to mindfulness? Well, Between the Notes is the only book that I personally have written, and you can find that on Amazon and audio, paperback, and uh, ebook. There's also a record album that goes with it. Oh. Sort of a perspective of my music career, because throughout the book, I have song lyrics that pertain to each chapter. Uh, the only other books that I... I recommend her by uh, my uh, late friend Robert Wolf, mm -hmm. and um, they're on non-duality. If you look up Robert Wolf on um, Amazon, you can find him. Um, other books. I, I, I have a very esoteric reading thing, so I, I can't recommend those things. But I always liked Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, or Oprah. It's all the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, we'll put all of this into our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. The, the fifth question is about apps. Are there any apps at all that you use? I suppose listening to music is something that you probably do. I don't like technology at all. Okay. So I'm not the right guy to ask. Um, 
I I'm I'm pleased when I can figure out how to operate Zoom. Um, and I'm very private, so I don't like to have a lot of things that people can get my name and information from. And you know, there's no privacy anymore. Yeah. You know? So I, I if I didn't have a business, <clears throat> I would probably not uh, uh, have any of this. I, I, I don't even know that I'd have a computer. Um, uh, but so I'm not an app guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I use them, I, of course, I use them for driving and I, I have a music app and things like that. But things like uh, meditation or mindfulness apps or any of those things, I don't find them necessary for me. Sure. Everything is in here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kevin, as we wrap up the interview, I want to ask you if you have any final words of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners. Be happy. You, you can be happy. Um, you have to choose it. And if anybody, um, I guess, has resonated with anything I've said today, get in touch with me. I do offer a free um, Zoom uh, consultation uh, and to see if we want to work together or maybe someplace I could recommend you go to. There's also, um, in, in the line of self-promoting here, uh, there's an album called Dulcie Meditation of Music that I've created. And then if you want to know about dulcimers and, and dulcy meditation, you just go to kevinroth.org. But the, the, the big thing is just choose to be happy. Yeah, it's so true. And, and it sounds simple. And in some ways it is simple, but it's just a matter of taking action and doing it. Choose to be happy. Yeah, you know, one thing that's helpful is to write down what you don't want in your life anymore and what you do want, and then you at least have a guidepost. So if you don't want debt or you're in a toxic relationship either with someone or yourself, you you have a, a way at least to say, okay, I'm clear what I don't want in my life anymore. Like I personally don't want debt. I don't want stress. I don't want negative people. So I'm very clear about those things. Good advice. So, yeah. uh, and the things I do want, um, I know what I want. And uh, sometimes I get caught up in being lazy and not wanting to get them or procrastinating. And then I just run to the dulcimer and I play it and I ask myself, what do you want? And then the answer becomes clear. Yeah, so that's what do you want. Do you want me to tell you very briefly how dulcy meditation works? I definitely do. So what happens is, you know, when a baby's in a crib and it's crying, the the guardian or the the, the parent or whatever winds the toy up. Uh huh. And the baby, unless it's like really really hungry or in pain or something, stops crying, right? And it yeah. looks at this toy and it gets fascinated. So that's what happens when you play the dulcimer. It's a very easy instrument to play. Anyone, even musical or non-musical, can do it. And what it does is while you're playing it in a very simple way, which I teach, your mind becomes attracted to the music. It's busy. The monkeys are now following the music. It's at that point you can go within yourself and say, what do I need to know? Because if you, if you use silence, there's a whole conversation going on inside you that's outside of your mind, right? So you you can be guided. 
you know, and the answer is always there. So I'll take the people who are, uh, who want to know or experience Dulcy meditation with me. I'll say things like, okay, so what, what question did you ask? I asked um, why I have to be busy all the time. And I'd say, well, why do you think you have to? Well, I just like being busy. And then they'll do the Dulcy meditation and they'll ask their inner voice. And then their face changes. And then this particular woman said, oh, I'm a people pleaser. I said, oh. And she said, wow. And I said, yeah. So that's how Dulcy meditation works. Very interesting. Well, I'm glad you took the time to tell us that. And uh, thank you so much for jumping on this interview. It's great to meet you, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Bruce, and all the best. Keep happy. I will. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I want to thank my sponsor, Athletic Greens. They have a product called AG1 that I started taking some time ago because I wanted to improve my gut health. I wanted to optimize my immune system. I wanted to just improve my health in general, and this has really done it. AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, and probiotics. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, or whatever your diet is, this will work for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial ingredients, and it supports better sleep and better alertness. Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science, and it costs less than $3 a day. Like I said, the product is called AG1, the company is called Athletic Greens, and they have over 7,000 five-star reviews online. So here's a special offer for you, Mindful Tribe. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com mindfulness. So once again, that's athleticgreens.com mindfulness to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.